change. It's like my dreams out of reach. This pain and all this grief. If you see God and you have to speak, tell him it's crazy in these streets. Feel my pain and just so good. You're on Pastor Phil. Welcome to Church on the Block. Real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets with my great co-host, Pastor Jay and Ruck Boy on Holy Culture Radio, Sears XM, Channel 154. We are back. That's right. Live and in living color. You know what I'm saying? You got the right channel, Channel 154, right? Spot Holy Culture Radio, right uh, uh, station, Sears XM, and we are here in your car, maybe your living room, maybe your head, maybe you're just jogging right now. Let me go on and turn into church on the block, see what they're talking about today. Maybe on some crazy stuff. Today, man, we, and for the next you know week or two, we're going to be talking about looking at scripture differently. You know, when you look at music, when you look at um, how music evolved, gospel music specifically in the African-American context, has evolved. You look at it from a cultural dynamic, right? Marginalized people sharing their hurt and pain, creating ring shouts, right? Slaves and, and, and saying, look, we count. We're here. We're liberated people in Christ. And yet wasn't validated and affirmed that way, but it began to grow and, and to move. And you find it becoming more formalized in, in gospel music. You find, you find uh, Thomas Dorsey bringing in his swag and then music type of music he brought into the church, but everything changed because the cultural dynamics of what was happening cultivated a new relevance to the people. Scripture is alive and sharper than any two-edged sword, but we can't preach a dead word. I believe it's unbiblical to preach a dead word, to teach a dead word, to live out a dead word, right? You have to have it alive. And so as music evolved, you find then Andre Crouch, Oh Happy Day, I've said this before, you find Kurt Franklin, you find hip hop, Christian hip hop, you find this relevancy with the people and scripture being uh, the lightning shown on scripture to show that relevancy. And then things move differently. People wouldn't have moved in civil rights if people had just been preaching what Massa and them wanted to preach and keep people locked up. So we got to look at scripture differently. We got to look at it in a way that's both biblically accurate, culturally sensitive and preach it and live it and, and create examples of what the heck that looks like. And so today, like we did last week, when we looked at Genesis um, and, 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 and Ruckus had that great back and forth conversation with me about that. Um, we want to talk about another text and Pastor Jay is going to break down uh, the text. And now let me tell you, this man preached this text, but not, but, but, but like, first of all, you can't preach nothing that you ain't living. First of all, you can't <laughs> preach nothing that you ain't living and that you ain't shouting from the freaking mountaintops about. So when the man broke this text out, people in the, in the CCDA conference were like, is this in the Bible? I never, I read this. It was like so illuminating. And so convicting at the same time. And so when, I mean, Pastor Jay's a preacher, he may preach the text, but today our conversation, as he breaks it down and we go dialogue back and forth, is to challenge you listening. Man, I never saw a text like that. Perhaps you need to look at all the texts differently, right? Yeah, From a different yeah. lens cap. I mean, the scripture, Old New Testament, is somebody else's mail that we're reading anyway, which is another context that we also have to understand what was going on at that particular time. Understand the context of marginalized people don't look at the text from another perspective, right? They look at it from, yo, I need to eat today. I need to eat this word. I need to eat this food. I need to find a job. How is this going to bring me some hope before I, you know, do something crazy? And so if we keep preaching that dead text in that context, we're going to create dead Christians, dead movements, dead everything. And and, and yet uh, oftentimes that's what happens. And sometimes people challenge when you look at the text differently as if it's some kind of unbiblical perspective of it. you got to be 
uh, kidding me. Now, there, there are some folks that do that. You know, you got some preachers who are preaching against uh, the, all the people who were killed in the, um, the LGBTQ um, IA plus club. The man was literally saying that was what should have happened. I wish I would. I would. I mean, the man was was looking at a text. I don't even looking at a text at all. He was unbiblical in the whole thing that people should be actually murdered because of a particular lifestyle. That is not God's intent at all uh, with that. So there are ways in which people look at a text, what I'm trying to say in a bogus way. So we want to affirm a way of looking at the text that is a, a challenging, stretching towards those who are, you know, often the, the least of these and the marginalized that way. So Pastor Jay, yep. welcome. Yeah, as, yeah. as a host, as, as as one of the hosts, uh, Ruckus, as one of the hosts, welcome. I want to. I've been talking this whole time. I feel like I've been over talking. Uh, the host introducing the host. We were man. trying to get a word in, Pastor Phil. But you had it. Bro. Yeah, you took off like a rocket ship. Man. <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, I appreciate this opportunity, man, to, to kind of do this, and so. I, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to get it in in this first section so we can really talk about it in the second gotcha. section. But like um, the first thing I want to say, tell you where we're going to be. So you can get your Bibles out, get into the word with us today on this Sunday morning. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. OK, so we're going to start at verse 11 and go down to verse 27. And you need to read it. Very- you, you need to read it. We're going to tell me to stop. <laughs> oh yeah, read. No, <laughs> no. Uh, I, I'm gonna read certain parts word for word because uh, this is really important. But some of it, I'm just gonna kind of tell the story just so that we can can get through it. And what but, version? What version you're gonna be using as you read it? Well, I'm gonna use the NIV version just because that's what's in front of me. Okay. But every version in Luke 19 tells this story the same way. Yep. That's right. what I love yep. about it. This yep. is what yep. gave me a lot of credibility. Uh, or not credibility, but gave me a lot of affirmation in preaching it the way I did. Because right. I looked at it in so many different translations. Yeah. I'm like, everybody telling this story the same way. And we just <laughs> missed it from, our, you know, Phil always uses this term. He probably said it on every show we had, <laughs> European epistemology. Yes. And I don't know if he ever defined it yet. But <laughs> European study of knowledge. About, European study of knowledge. Yes, European study of knowledge. We learn and we understand things from a Eurocentric lens, typically because that's the way that our country was birthed. That's the way we think, and that's really the mainstay of of, of you know, especially higher education in the world, right? Well, I learned this passage and this understanding from this text. I never want to take credit for it from South Africa. There was a lady there named Dr. Renee August. Look her up online, Facebook, social media, find her, Dr. Renee August. She's the first person that I heard talk about looking at parables from a different lens, looking at it from the view of the marginalized. Mm. How would the person that Jesus was telling this parable to, who's poor, unwanted, on the bottom of the empire, have heard this parable versus we as Americans who sit at the top of it have heard this parable, okay? So first thing I want you to point out is this parable follows the story of Zacchaeus. Jesus has just seen Zacchaeus in the tree, told him to come down, convicted him of cheating people out of their money, Please see this. Just convicted them of cheating people out of their money and tells them today salvation came to your house because you said you were going to give everybody back the money you cheated and give back to them what? Everybody know how much? Four times yes, as much four times as what you much. took from them. So not only does he give it back to them what he took, but he gives reparations to them four times amount of what he took. So yeah. and then Jesus tells this parable of the talents is what we call it. Okay. So 
It's starting to Luke 1911. He says, uh, while they were listening to this. So anyway, this is while they are listening to him talk to Zacchaeus. He went on to tell them a parable because he was near Jerusalem and the people thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear at once. He said, a man of noble birth went to a distant country to have himself appointed king and then return. So he <laughs> called 10 of his servants and gave them 10 talents and said, put this money to work until I come back. Listen to verse 14. But his subjects hated him and sent a delegation after him to say, we don't want this man to be our king. Verse 15, he was made king, however, and returned home. Then he sent for the servants to whom he had given the money in order to find out what they had gained with it. So I'm going to stop reading right there and then I'm going to start telling the story a little bit. So we talk about this story all the time. The first guy, we all know this story. The first one he comes to, he says, hey, I gave you 10 talents or 10 minas or $10, however you want to say it, right? What did you do with it? He like, look, bro, I took your 10, I did my thing, and I got 10 more. Right. And the, and the, and the, the ruler, the, the, the appointed king says to him, ha, well done, my good servant. Right. Because you've been trustworthy in a very small matter. Now you take charge of 10 cities. You did, man, you, you double my money. You go take 10 cities. Then the second one, right. He comes to him and says, Hey, what'd you do? I gave you five talents, right. Or Aminas or whatever. Right. Right. What did you do? And he was like, man, look, I took your five and I got you five more. And he says the same thing. Well done, because you have been trustworthy in a small matter. Now you get five cities that you in charge of. Like, oh, okay, that's what's up. Then you get to the dude who says, I got one. And he's like, yo, you got one. What did you do? Listen to his response. Verse 20. Sir, here is your talent back. I kept it laid away in a piece of cloth because I was afraid of you, because you are a hard man. You take what you did not put in and you reap what you did not sow. His master replied, I will judge you by your own words, you wicked servant. Oh, you knew that I was a hard man taking out what I don't put in and reaping what I don't sow. Well, why didn't you put my money on deposit so when I came back, I could at least collect some interest? Then he goes to him, verse 24, and he says, take his talent away from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents. They're like, but sir, listen to the people who work for him. He already has 10. And then he says, I tell you that everyone who has more will be given. But as for the one who has nothing, even what he has will be taken away. But those enemies of mine who did not want me to be king over them, bring them here and kill them in front of me. Now, what's crazy is we hear this passage and from our American triumphant ideal, we think, oh, yeah, if he gave me 10, of course, I want to make 10 more because God gave me 10 talents and I want to bless people with my talent and I want to get 10 more talents. Right. Like we think of it as amassing more and then God is going to be pleased with us as we amass more. But what we don't recognize is who this man is. Jesus tells a story of a servant, I mean, of a of a man who says, I'm going to a distant country to have myself appointed king. Right. I'm going to a different country to make people make bow down to me. Right. And then he says, and it says in verse 14 that his subjects hated him. They didn't even want him to be king. He was made king anyway. And because he hated him, uh, they said, we don't even want this man to be our king. They sent the delegation out. We don't want him to be our king. 
And then it says that the servants are now given the money by this king that nobody likes, who's <laughs> wicked, who somehow reaps where he doesn't sow, who takes where he doesn't give. And then the first one, he gives them 10 and he's afraid of them. So he gives them 10 more. And then he gives him the second one. He gives him five and he and he, he makes five more because he's afraid. And then the hero of the story, the person we typically think of as the one who was wrong in the story. Mm-hmm. If you look at it from the people's point of view who are marginalized, who are poor, who are under the hand of wicked rulers right now. The hero of the story is not the man with 10 talents, not the man with five talents. It's the one with one who took his one in protest and said, I will not bow down to a wicked ruler. I will not make you more money when you don't even reap where you sow, that you're a hard man. As a matter of fact, take your one back and whatever you want to do with me, you do it because I refuse to make money for a wicked ruler that none of us even want. And what does he do? He's so wicked. He takes the one and gives it to the man who has 10 and then says to the people, uh, the people who are working for him, when they say, why would you do that? He already got 10. Like you didn't even give it to the dude with five. Like you are so wicked. And then he says, well, I'll tell you why. Everyone who has more will be given more. But as for the one who has nothing, even his one will be taken away. That's the society we live in now. A society where the more, the people with the most get the most. The people with the haves get more. The people that have nothing get the little bit they have taken away from them. And so what I say is Christians are called to protest that system. We're not called to live into it. to try to amass more for wicked rulers to amass more for wicked empires. No, we are called to stand and protest and say what little I have, I ain't even going to make nothing done for you. And whatever you do to me, I will take it because this is what it means to follow Jesus. It means to protest against systems and structures that take away from those that don't even have anything and want to give it to those who already have. Y'all, that's what it means to follow Jesus. And when you look at this parable, after the story of Zacchaeus, it makes perfect sense (laughs) because salvation don't come to Zacchaeus' house until he gives it all back and until he gives to those he stole four times as much. Now, I guarantee you, you ain't never heard the parable of time. (laughs) Okay. That's hot. That's hot. So, so look, when you look, when you, what, what, here's, here's what I want to know, like, like helping people kind of get an understanding of, of a lens cap to look at a text that way. You yeah. said the young woman in Africa looking at the parables from an Africa. what is the nuance? Uh, I'm being rhetorical in some regard, but just for you to break it down, what is the nuance of what it takes to look at a text like that from what the young lady said in Africa and how you've seen it as well? Uh, real easy. And then we can talk about it some more like later on, but real easy lived experience. She is speaking from her lived experience of being on the bottom of the South African empire and being a woman of color there who has no power. When she reads this parable, she don't even see it from the empire standpoint. She don't even see it from the wicked ruler standpoint, it doesn't make any sense. Mm. For her, the first thing that, that, that popped out was, wow, now that's a heroic move. <laughs> Thank you for that, Jay. That was so powerful, man. And, and like I was saying before, you know, when you preach at a CCDA, it helped everybody, like you just said, revision themselves from from looking at that text, talking about you know time, treasure, and talent. Or people looking at that like we've got you know that's the, like the, that's the text people preach when they want their tithes to go up or something. That's right. They that's want more right. volunteers in the ministry. Um, it's one of those kind of things where 
looking at it from that other perspective kind of flips it all the way upside down, you know? And to me, that's the essence of the kingdom of God. Like right. this makes sense to me because the kingdom is upside down. That's what Jesus is preaching. Right. You know what I mean? Man, yeah. I can't wait. Let's talk some more, man. Let's talk some more in a little bit. <laughs> Yo, this is so rich, man. We're going to talk about this when we come back. We'll be right back with Church on the Block. Real talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. Holy Culture Radio, Sirius XM Channel 154. Come back with us. Welcome back to Church on the Block. Yo, what's good? This is your boy Ruckus. We've been having a great conversation about the passage from Luke 19 that talks about the talents that the the, the the wicked man gave out to the people and how this man appointed himself king. Jay, um, I want to say thank you because I've never really looked at the text in that manner. I've always been looking at the text, as we say, from a Eurocentric uh, point of view, where it's, oh, this man made a bad investment. He didn't do what he was supposed to do with his talents. And when I read it this time, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm older and I think differently. I started looking at it. And I'm like, wait a minute. If, if this man is appointing himself king and this man is nobody wants him to be king, I wouldn't want to invest his money neither. One, I'd be scared I'd lose it and what he might do to me. So, <laughs> like, let me let me make sure this chump got his money when he come back. And, and then, two, do I really want him to become richer? How much money has he really already taken off of people and stole from the people? So you're giving me money. You know, that's going to require more responsibility for me if I make you more money and you're going to expect me to be the earner a earner and I don't want to earn for you. So I, I, I can respect, you know, why he did and why he stood up for what he mm-hmm. believed and what, you know, how he felt about this guy. I mean, the reality of, of <clears throat> the text is loud and clear. If, 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 if you look at it from that perspective, because when people have typically read it, like what you're talking about, Terrence, and just said, okay, this man's talent, blah, blah, blah. But the text is loud and clear that the dude was evil, right? The dude was was going to make himself king. But we gloss over that part. Yeah. European epistemology, exactly. European epistemology, European exactly. study of knowledge, European theological perspective. Well, that's not really matter. Maybe that's what's going on in people's mind because what really matters is this man uh, showing us, Christ showing us a, a, a lesson, giving us a lesson that we must, you know, we have these gifts. We must expand them. Whatever the case is, and then you know, prosperity gospel going to take it a whole nother level mm-hmm. with it, right? Yeah. So, in, in in the sense that, uh, um, the the root of it, especially as you just said, we just talking about Zac- Zacchaeus, right? Yeah. That is parallel, and he, mm-hmm. and then and then like you just said, the crowd was still listening, so he's still in the midst of that. Oh man, that's just. He's telling this story while he's talking to Zacchaeus. Like, that's what people got to realize. When you don't see that in the text, then you can separate the parable as something different. Because people will always argue with me. Well, this, this, there's a parallel passage of this in Matthew. And I'm like, well, in Matthew, Matthew is writing for a specific purpose. His purpose of writing Matthew is to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. Correct. Luke is writing an orderly, and 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 like account of what's going on. So he's given us this happened, then this happened. This is where he was. This is why he said what he said. So the Luke account is the more orderly and like it makes more sense for this parable to make to be told um, in the context of Zacchaeus, right? Like, but if you don't see that or you don't want to see that, if you got a reason why you want to say it, then of course that's what's gonna happen. So exactly, exactly, yeah, yeah. No, you know I appreciate I it because. 
it, it put me back in the mindset of when I was in corporate, when I was in the corporate sector, right before I, I left the corporate world to get into non-for-profit or working for church or, or whatever. My mindset was I, I woke up one day and I was just like, man, I'm tired of working for the machine. I feel the machine is corrupt. All I'm doing is making this company rich. I worked at that time. I worked for uh, uh, one of those Fortune 500 companies, and I was just like, "This is a billion dollar company. They got all this money, and they paying us pennies." I walk in this job every day. I do my job. If I play and do everything that they tell me to do, then I get re- rewarded pennies. If I walk in five mm-hmm. minutes late, I get rolled up. But if I stay five minutes later, they don't say nothing. You know, and so mm-hmm. I was feeling kind of probably how some of the dude felt when I left the corporate world. I was just like, nah, I don't see a point. I don't see value in helping your organization continue to do what they're doing when I don't like the way you're doing it. I found more value in investing in people and helping people. And uh, that's that's how I, you know, walked away from the corporate world. So when I read the text, it, it kind of touched you know, I felt it a little bit. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I know that feeling. <laughs> yeah. What I love about the way Jesus does with parables, if you ever really pay attention, Jesus never explains his parables. His disciples right. ask him all the time, what did you mean? And he's like, if you've been with me all this time and you don't know what I'm talking about, you just need to get it together. And I think the reason he does that is because I think the audience would already know, right? Especially in, you know, Second Temple period Jerusalem, where they are occupied by Romans. You think that they, that the people he's preaching to are going to be like, oh, yeah, I want to be just like the wicked ruler that like that doesn't make any sense. Like what they're going to hear is they're going to pay attention to who's the marginalized person in this story, who's on the mm-hmm. bottom of empire here. And that's who Jesus wants us to relate to the most. That's what they're going to think, because Jesus is also an occupied Jew in, you know, mm-hmm. in uh, occupied Palestinian, you know. And, and, and so I'm like. If you think about context, because we talk about context a lot when we talk about Pauline epistles. Mm-hmm. Right. We don't right. like to talk about context when we talk about the Gospels, because that will cause us to realize we got to stop looking at it from an empire standpoint. We'd have to realize that Jesus is Poe on the bottom of the empire. like the the, the And so therefore, we don't want to look at context when it comes to the Gospels. We want the, con- the Gospels just to be face value or only talk about kingdom. Um but you can't do that because Jesus is telling these parables in a place at a specific time to a specific people group. And if we don't do that, we don't do our due diligence in reading scripture. True, 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 true. And I think when you, when you reckon, when, I mean, I don't know what the, what, what people have to go through to understand it and, 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 and see scripture from that perspective, right? Like, 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 um, go through something horrible to, to, to look at it from, from, from that perspective because, of what and who Christ was teaching and preaching to in that time. And it's one of those things where, um, <clears throat> is there a, is there, um, a, a, I think there's a comfort level, mm-hmm. you know, to stay in a certain space, uh, and not, not get shook by the comfort level. Cause every time the comfort level is challenged, here come all the people with all the rhetoric of this is not how that text is supposed to go. And how dare you go in that way. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, when Christ was teaching that, right, all of a sudden it's like, oh, we need to pick up stones to to stone this man, right? Um, bringing about that same truth. So I think Scripture has to invoke that level of conviction in our own self. Like, dang, why have I been preaching this about this this 
empire structure. Why have I been saying and convicting my my congregation, my Bible study, my small group, whomever, rhyming, even rhyming as artists, <clears throat> you know, you got to get your 10 talents or whatever mm-hmm. you may say mm-hmm. to create a continual uh, uh, affirmation of this, of this empire, right? Of this empire piece, right? And then, uh, uh, you know, mugs want to, um, you know, you know, uh, mimic that when it, when it comes to, to, to money and, and, and prosperity, whether it's prosperity gospel, whether it's just, it's just, you know, laming it, naming it, climate, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. um, to cause, you know, cause more harm, uh, even to those, even those who are marginalized, because I know growing up poor myself, I'm up here trying to not like, I'm, not be like I'm poor, right? I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, you know, until uh, I went to this all white Catholic high school, that's what I knew. I'm poor. We poor. <laughs> we broke. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we broke. Joe. Ain't we, that a rude awakening the day you realize you're actually poor? <laughs> right, right. We in the project. Everybody cool. Everybody doing the same thing. We all go to the same little corner store to get the chicken. We, everybody, we all doing, you know, we go down the street to get the thing from Miss So-and-so, Miss Matt, uh, Naomi, Miss Campbell. Everybody cool. I go to this five buses of this all-white Catholic high school. I'm like, they drive. I'm coming in with high water. I'm coming in with the best <laughs> shoes I got. I'm coming in there like we all. Oh no, this is different. Yeah, it's, it's different. You're like, what? Oh, everybody don't have roaches? I thought that was y'all ain't what y'all. Y'all don't catch a bus to school. You don't catch a bus to school. What you <laughs> yeah, I love what I love about this passage too, though, is it challenges us also in the way we look at Jesus, right? Because yeah, of course. It changes to your view now of like it's upward mobility. All we should be about. Do we only be concerned about? Okay, I got ten. I need ten more. Or I want to be in charge of ten cities. Like, no, yeah, all that's right. cool. But Jesus also, whenever we see the word master in a parable, we automatically assume Jesus is talking about himself. Mm-hmm. But what I love about what Jesus does in this is he doesn't assume the role of master in this story. Right? He's actually aligning himself with the servant in the story because mm-hmm. the hero of the story is the servant. Right. And the defiant servant, too. So Jesus actually affirms like the defiant. I will not go along with these broken systems as the hero of the story, which means that, yeah, we know Jesus is our master. But in this one, he's saying, if you want to be like me, be the servant and be a defiant, like a servant that won't go along with the world system. That's a whole nother way of following Jesus. Right. Now, we don't only think following Jesus is about authority and power and telling people what to do. So even if we disagree about a situation or we disagree about a doctrine or we disagree about something, what if we took the role of the servant mm-hmm. and maybe we were defiant against the other people that say, this is the way you're supposed to be. And I go, well, actually, I want to be loving. Actually, I want to listen. Actually, I want to I want to do things a little bit different. I want to be a defiant servant. And that's also yeah. uh, a personification of Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. dope. That's dope. That's dope. Just, I mean, when you when you think through the. Um, the inside of of your own life and the daily life that you live, right, and, and especially those who are most marginalized, right, and 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 you think of all the churches in the neighborhood, right. Um, <clears throat> there is seemingly, um, you know, a, a desire um, to not talk about, not deal with um, that that stuff that that uh, we struggle with. We struggle because we want to. We want to. We don't. We know we're struggling. We 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 want to live beyond that part. That that you know, and and I get that, right? I get that. I mean, we we go through it every day, and you know, you got to walk out the door with it, and everything else like that. But it's still, if you don't bring the text and bring it to life to find yourself in it, you don't find that you can, I think, have legitimate hope to press through that. 
piece, right? That no, no, I am on the right side of this. I see the the, the movement of this. Okay, I, I'm I'm struggling. This is what I'm going through. But no, I I, I can I I am and, and can through Christ, you know, move in in, in this space. Versus oftentimes, I think in churches in, in in the hood, you know, oftentimes you know, blasting or preaching um, more 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 um, that that you know. You're gonna be in, in in this space, or you don't. We don't want to deal with the the reality of stuff like that. We we, we want to deal with what, what do we got to do to to bring pseudo kind of hope to people. And it's just one of those kind of things where if we don't bring life to the text like you did here um, to awaken people, that, that that folks will, you know, just gloss over things and 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 almost fight against the struggle that they got inside. It's kind of like you dealing with all this stuff on the inside, mm-hmm. but nobody's affirming. The text is affirming it. That's right. But you're preached to think another way in this other perspective that, um, that, that, you know, almost embarrasses you to even think that you live in this, in, the, in this space this way, you know, that's right. And I think that's right. Too many Christians live a life in that same context as well, you know, from what they're preaching. I, I mean, I, I just hope that people realize, like, I think there are some really specific things that you can do to bring the text alive in this way, you know, yeah. first off, I think lived experience. So you need to get around people. If you don't have that lived experience, like maybe you, you know, you haven't lived in a spot where you, you know what it feels like to be the only person of color or to be the only poor person or, or to, to be around people or somehow being on the bottom of what's considered to be normal. Right. If you haven't experienced that, then you got to change your relationships. Right. And you got to become humble enough to trust someone else's reading of the passage. That's what happened to me. It was me being humble enough when I heard Renee say this to me to go, whoo, I never saw this passage this way before. I'm like, yo, let me think. And so I went a little bit deeper. I was like, well, what else do I see in this from that perspective, right? You know, so she gave me a shell and then I was able to go, oh, I see this now. I see this now. And there are other parables that I see in completely different ways now because I'm like, oh, how would this look from the bottom? Right. So Mm. I just, you know, you got to get in a relationship with people who think differently. You got to be able to trust people even when. Um, you know, the the normative way of looking at something is not that way. And then I think it, just, it causes, it, it takes humility for you to do that. You got to be humble right. enough to not think that your way is the right way or your understanding is the right understanding. You know, yeah. I just, yeah. <clears throat> be people, people, take a, people take a cup, dip in the ocean, be like, I got all the ocean right here. Yo, it's a gajillion oceans. <laughs> you know what I'm That's saying? Right. It's Atlantic. It's whatever. Pacific, Cod, Indian, Arctic. Let's go, man. Let's bunch you know, We got the ocean in the cup. I got it all right here. That <laughs> <clears throat> doesn't really work that way. And yet there is uh, a reality of, of, of truth in, this, in, in the text. Yes. And there is a reality that you do got a part of that, you know, but it doesn't mean that you got it all. And so having having that openness and that sincerity to journey in that space. I mean, the part that I guess challenges me, not, not, not I mean, the text challenge is challenging how you broke it down, but like, I guess the reality of stepping over this European epistemology, this study of not this stepping over this white European theology I've embraced and lived in. And oftentimes uh, over the years, I, I, I hopefully I've been unplugged with it, but sometimes I see it creeping back up because it's become mm-hmm. so normalized that I find myself fighting myself. Should Is this really the, the way to think about this text? Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's like, mm-hmm. yo, it's so saturated in your brain, this European epistemology, European study of knowledge, European theology that you've been taught 
whether you went to seminary, went to Bible college, went to, and, and it's so, it's so subversive from uh, a television Bible study or some kind of, te- and, and it's, and, and nobody's trying to cause harm. And we're not saying that it's, it's heretical. And, 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 and I mean, some parts, yeah, but in the context of people trying to like cause people some harm, it's just a way in which people have felt that this is the way it is. And yet when somebody says, Hey, um, Freddie Gray, this is bogus. What happened to Freddie Gray? Now everybody who's in that particular frame of mind is like, Oh, wait a second. Wait a second. This is how we get back to Jesus. You know what I'm saying? You know, get back to that. And, and yet, isn't that same thing about Jesus? When you bring up the injustices of those who are marginalized, those who go through things, right? Go, those who are, who are the least of these, right? And being able to advocate and speak and be a voice for them in, in that space. But it's one of those kind of things like, like I, I, I think that there is an ownership you have to recognize that I do see this text where he said it, but I don't know why I don't like it that way. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's like, if you're battling with that, own that. Don't be like, no, that, how can you say that? Cause you got talents and we've got the, don't want to own the difference of that. In a, in a few weeks, I'm going to talk about a text. Did Jesus really call this woman a female dog? Mm-hmm. Yo, there's a church on the block. We're going to be right back with some more, uh, uh, dialogue about seeing the text from another perspective. Church on the block. We'll talk about hip hop, the church, and the streets. Yo, what's good? This is your boy Ruckus. We back. We are having a great conversation about the text from Luke 19. Uh, so I got yeah. a question for you, Jay. When you first preached this sermon or you did this Bible study with everyone, what was their response? Was there pushback about it? Mm, yeah. Yeah, that's a good, good, good point. That so I got I got mixed reviews. I got some people who were like, well, you just opened up this text to me in a new way. I really appreciate it. And then there were people who like will come to me and go, you know, well, that was all right. But, you know, are you sure you can pull this one little parable out and and and, and say that that's what it's saying? Because don't you ha- you have to interpret scripture with scripture. So we have to go back and look at the same parable in Matthew and, and really look at what you know, the juxtapositions are, can you, can you say that this is that reading? If you can't say that that's the reading in Matthew. (laughs) And I was saying earlier in the show, like, remember that each book, each gospel has an occasion. You know what I mean? Like they have a reason that they wrote their gospel. And so Luke's gospel is very different. He writes to a Greek audience and he's trying to give an orderly account. It said at the very beginning, oh, great Theophilus, I'm trying to write an orderly account, right? But Matthew is literally trying to prove to the Jews that Jesus is the Messiah. So everything he says is about how can they see Jesus in a different way? How can they see him as a fulfillment of the prophecies they saw in the Old Testament? But what I want the people to realize is if you're trying to prove something, you will still ignore right. stuff that's clear in the passage because you're reading into it. So I always say at the end of the Matthew uh, passage, so the Matthew version of this is in Matthew 25, and it's after the parable of the 10 virgins where they, you know, run out of oil at the wedding banquet. Like it's <laughs> the same deal, right? And the door is shut and you can't come in because now, you know what I'm saying? Like I told you to be prepared. <laughs> I told you to be ready. And then he goes into, and then he says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey. Now the difference in this parable in Luke 19 is that he doesn't call the man wicked. He don't say that he, you know, the people don't want him to be king or any of that. But he tells the exact same story. And then at the end, he still says, Oh, you think that I'm going to reap where I didn't sow? You think I'm going to get money where I haven't, uh, you know, invested? Well, fine. 
you wicked, lazy servant. Um, I tell you what, we're going to take your one talent and give it to the man with 10. <laughs> and then he says, because, now tell me if this sounds like Jesus, for everyone who has will be given more and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, if you think that sounds like Jesus, I don't know which Jesus you have been reading or looking at. <laughs> right? I still think that the Matthew 26 shows that this, this is not a great leader, right? Like this is not a great leader. He's wicked. And so what we got to do is stop trying to read into passages what we mm. want them to say, because that's what makes us comfortable. Yeah. You got to actually be okay with being made uncomfortable um, by a passage, by somebody reading it a different way than we might have. Yeah. So I just want to point out, you know, you no, know, the Matthew passage is not exactly the same, but I think when you get to the end of it, you see that Jesus is saying the same thing. Mm. And oftentimes, before you ask your other question, T, I think when people say, you know, interpret scripture with scripture, I think they're borrowing some language from some other Bible study that they had. Do you really know what that really means? I mean, there's a book called a treasury of scripture knowledge. It's a powerful book. It has every verse. You go to Genesis one, one, it'll show you every verse in the Bible that complements Genesis one, one Genesis one, two, the book is this thick. It's Mm -hmm. great for understanding and cross referencing that level of, 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 of in-depth exegete is good. It is needed, but yet it doesn't still, diminish That's right. the validity of what you just said, Jay. Mm-hmm. The context of what, yeah, I'm looking at scripture versus scripture, and I'm looking at the author of what that author is trying to do and say, and he's trying to emphasize. You look at all of Matthew, he's saying, yo, look at the genealogy. Yo, mm-hmm. let me tell you the genealogy. That's right. Luke's genealogy is a different genealogy. <laughs> but you don't, you know, so if you would cross, examine the scriptures, you, you might say, wait a minute, why are the genealogies different? It's just, you may have another perspective if you want to go that that rigid with it, right? But you have to understand also in that same context, the authors of that piece, right? And and understand the angles that, that they bring about. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Ruckus, you had another question? Yeah, so my next question, for for those who are trying to figure out, right, because I, I, I'm sure people are going to be challenged by this. How do, if, if, I'm, if I'm taught to view the Bible from a European, or, or what's your term, Phil? How were we taught to, to view? What's the word? A European European epistemology. Yes, from that I can't knowledge. say that word yet. European epistemology. I got it, I got it. <laughs> right? if, if we're Study taught knowledge. to to view the word that way, how yeah. should we view it? What from what perspective? What lens should people be viewing it? So imagine we have uh, a, a, a rich person trying to view this text, or you know, a poor person might see it the way that they, the way we oh. just broke it down, right? But someone else that comes from a different perspective, viewing it from a, say that word again, epistemology, European epistemology, <laughs> study of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> just a, a European lens, lens cap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A Which European is, epistemology. That's you it. Go. You got it, T. You That's go. it. Look at Ruckus, boy. He's going to be scratching that into his next thing. That's going to be the word for the day tomorrow at work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah you be careful in the firehouse talk about pistols. Right. You know, right, right. <laughs> pistol. What kind of pistols? Uh, it's a pistolology. Um, <laughs> <laughs> a European pistol. <laughs> I will say this, man, in response to your question. So I talked about it a little bit in the sense that I feel like um, the humility to 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 actually take someone else's 
um, perspective to listen to somebody who's a little bit different than you, has a different lived experience than you and look at their reading of scripture and not looking at it as false immediately because it's different from yours. Okay. Right. It is the ability to say, let me humble myself and and do my own research to see if I can actually affirm what I'm hearing from this different perspective. So one of the things I do when I first got into this subversive parables thing, looking at parables from a different thing, man, I went in. I started buying all types of books. I got you know, the parables by Gowler. I got speaking in parables by McFaggy. I got subversive scripture by Leaf Veggie. I got parables that subversive speech. Like I went in, I got Snodgrass's stories with intent. I want to know everything about every parable I could think of because I didn't want to just take Renee's word for it. I wanted to say, I believe her. So let me do my own research and go. And what I found was this is a very valid reading of this parable, right? Not only from Renee and not only from me, but from tons of other great theologians who have done this long before me. But what we typically do is we dismiss it because I didn't learn it that way. That's not the way my pastor said that the parable was supposed to be read. So I don't want to hear that heresy. Mm-hmm. And man, I'm telling you, boy, our, our belief that Somebody being different or thinking different than us is heresy as what caused most of the rifts in Christianity throughout history. We, differences become heresy. And so I think, T, that's my answer to that. Um, like humility first, but then also challenge people to do their own research. Stop just taking what other people are telling you. Mm-hmm. Most people have not done their own research and they don't want to. Um, and so we got to teach people in that way. Yeah. Right, right. Um, we are... Um, Talking through this text, and 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 to you had a great uh, perspective of that. I think folks are, are not honest about <clears throat> the fact that in church they've just memorized what a preacher he or she has said, mm-hmm. and they've memorized that. And when that stuff is challenged, then it becomes no, no. But then when you challenge them deeper, they don't have quote unquote an apologetic or deeper reasoning behind that. They have what they've memorized, <laughs> and so when it comes to that. Uh, piece, like Jay was saying before, own the level of, on, on the fact that this is, this is, this is a spiritual journey. And I ain't using spirituality as something that's fluffy, but it's deep, thick, hard and challenging. And so in the midst of that, wow, let me look at that before I just write this whole thing off because there is a level of, of, of mystery around this, right? Some of the, some of the deep, Thinkers in our in our in our history are mystics, right? And they're thinking, challenging, and pushing envelopes in certain ways. And so I'm saying all this because in the midst of not owning that, you'll never step over this European epistemology. You'll always just own the fact that this is how, how it must be. My pastor taught it, and my pastor ain't white. He black. He went to a black seminary. But maybe <laughs> there was some there was some European educated books. And even when we were in seminary, Jay, we asked our professor, yeah. are there any Asian African uh, native seminary theologians before besides Luther. Yeah, bro. He said, "You go find. You them. go find them." We were so mad. <laughs> I was like, "We, I got a scholarship to pay you." <laughs> what are you talking about? Um, so he was even. I'm saying he was even dumbfounded. Like, no, basically, this is the pattern of life that we must study. And, and he was implying this is the root of all theology from from Christendom. And so, right. what do you mean that? That he didn't stretch himself to do that. You know, you look at uh, Gustavo Gutierrez, you know, um, a Latino liberation theologian. 
bringing out all kinds of things for his people and what they were experiencing. He was looking at the text from that level. He wasn't heretical. He wasn't uh, uh, anti-Jesus. It was like, gee, this is some stuff I got to grapple with. I can't find it and fit it into a European box. This is what's happening right now in real time. And so one of the big steps is that, like you say, is owning the fact that perhaps I've studied this wrong. Perhaps maybe there's a or maybe not wrong, but maybe there's another perspective I've never seen. Yeah. 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 If you don't do that part, if you don't do that part, you'll keep saying and challenging another text. You know, you need to. Study scripture with scripture. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you know, you know, I know you're young. You got your, your young preacher. You, I know you're young and you're, you know, you're, you're gullible. You're excited. You're on the platform. <laughs> Whatever it uses to, to, to dilute the depth of what you're trying to say uh, because you're so intimidated because of what you've memorized from this European way of, of, of thinking theologically. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 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 Now we have a guest with us who just showed up now. Secret be told, he's going to be on the next show with us. But I know he's anxious to say something right now. Uh, my man, my friend, all of our friends, right? Dr. Vince Bantu. Welcome, Doc. Hey, what's good, Pastor Phil? Pastor Jay, what's good, man? Good to be with y'all. You too, man. Man. You too. Me too. I got to give him. He ain't responding to my text message, but I got to give him a shout out. Bro. When you listen, <laughs> when you listening to like like Lecrae's new church clothes four, and you hear your boy's name shouted out in the yeah. lyrics, you get excited. I rewind that thing like ten times, bro. Did you hear yeah, that? Did you hear that? Vince? On my flesh, I bleed different. My kids raised on CHH, I breathe different. It's Vince Band two on my shelf. I read different. Yep. Yep. That was dope. That was dope, man. We <laughs> glad you're here. He, he said he said nothing about the hip hop church. He said nothing about that book. <laughs> <laughs> no, man. Vince, what, what are your thoughts about? Uh, we're going to go in deep with Vince in the, in, in the, in the next uh, show, uh, but from now, from from what you hear now, uh, Vince, what are your thoughts around what we're talking about that European epistemology and stepping over that to embrace uh, the text from a different perspective? Yeah. Oh, man, I'm with it, man. Like, I just I appreciate what y'all are saying and what I'm hearing, man. I I just think it's so important. Um, You know, I mean, even like uh, even I mean, man, I'm coming from a standpoint of we even need to learn how to talk about how we frame these concepts differently. Right. Like I'm even beyond even using the word epistemology, you know, but I'm kind of thinking mm. about it from the sense of like the Ethiopian word, Tim Harris. Right. Which is like kind of from the word for like teaching or knowing. Uh, and it literally is related to the word Mahata, which is to show uh, and, and to experience something. And it just speaks to the I think the African approach to there being no divorce or binary between knowing and being and doing and all of those things uh, being integrated. Right. And so even like the framing of, like, you know, I don't even want to think about an African epistemology, but I'm thinking about an African Tim Hertz. You know what I'm saying? Like even, even reclaiming how we categorize philosophical and epistemological and theological and pneumatological and hermeneutical concepts, like moving beyond these Greek and Latin and German terms and conceptualizations, but embracing, you know, our, uh, very, you know, all everybody's different ancestry. People of African descent, Asian, I- indigenous, all of us really just yes. reframing the conversation. Uh, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it, man. Man, oh, man. that right there was like its own show in and of itself. Which is why <laughs> we're going, we're going to have you back on like 18 times. But, um, but, but, are you, Jay, you had a comment. I want to. I, I was just saying, it, <laughs> I love to hear him talk because he's always going to bring in. Like this African 
you know, orientation that we are just, it's just foreign to us, which is so crazy, right? Right. Like when he first told me, you know, I've known Vince for years, but when he first told me, yeah, man, I'm going to study ancient Coptic language, I looked at him like he had three eyes. I was like, what? <laughs> what is that? And um, to hear him now after the years of study, um, you know, and knowing his context, which I'm sure we'll get into later, um, like it is important that people hear like what he's saying is be more inclusive. If I was to take what he was mm. saying, it's let's be more inclusive. Let's bring more of the body of Christ into the conversation, more of the great theologians and great thinkers of our world into the conversation because it's only going to enrich us. And I don't see how anybody could argue with that. Right. Yeah. I mean, you said you, you said something, Vince, about being what did you say? Being and. I mean, it's like, you know, the, I mean, the thing about it, if we're talking about how people of African descent approach the text and approach the gospel, uh, that part of African culture that exists even before hearing the gospel, whether you're from the continent or whether you were uh, brought over here through the diaspora, African people already understand that there's no distinction between our uh, epistemology or our Tim Hertz, right? Our ways of knowing, uh, but also our ways of being and existing and action. That see, there's no separation. T, DJ Ruckus, see that right there is what we feel every day. What we feel when we read that text, when we hear that text, we feel that that being and knowing part. But I heard a preacher say once, well, I said his name, y'all know what I'm talking about. He said, you know, white theology basically like this is more academic and you know, black theology is more soul. Yo, uh, I mean, the man was saying black theology or theology of color is no substance. Basically, we just sing a lot and we got soul. And and I say that if that's perpetuated, then it creates this question in your mind as an African-American person. Man, I'm feeling this like this, but I can't find a biblical way to is this right to do? And so all of that kind of stuff is a mystery, man. You're listening to church on the block, man. We are talking about looking at the text differently. We have looked at Luke chapter 19, uh, verse 11 through 26, man. And it is a deep discussion. We're going to continue the discussion in the next show. Time to drop bars. Yo, if God pulled up to you and said for the next 60 seconds, I'm going to give you whatever you want, whatever you ask, what would you ask for? Would you ask more of God or would you want more from God? Think about that in your journey and in your walk with the Lord. Oftentimes in our time of prayer, are you asking more from God or more of God? My challenge is seek more of God and then you will find that God will provide your needs and your wants and your heart's desire. Bars. Thank you for listening to Church on the Block, real talk about hip-hop, the church, and the streets. We're back here, same time, same day, next week. Come with us.